0: Campfire Ghost Stories, Episode 3, Echoes of War If you travel about half a mile or so out to the west of the village, you get to the remains of what was an old radar station during the Second World War. It was in fact the western end of our radar defences in a line that stretched right the way across the south coast of England. Early in 1940, a man had come to live in the village. He seemed to be a very patriotic Englishman, and he was given a job in the radar station. But it turned out that this man was actually a spy. He was spying for Germany. And in the roof of the bungalow where he lived, he had a secret wireless set that he used in the evenings to send back messages to occupied France, where the Germans were to let them know about how the radar station worked and uh, it took a while before his transmissions were intercepted but eventually when they were, they were zeroed in on and one evening as he was tapping away on his wireless set, his house was surrounded by soldiers who broke the door down, went in, took him away and he was never seen again but interestingly there's a bungalow in the village still where very often you see German registered cars parked outside and it's got to be assumed that they're relations of this man who so many years ago managed to fool the villagers into thinking that he was something that he wasn't. So you had the top secret radar base one side of the village but the other side, if you go out to the northeast, still on the road today you can see by a lay-by there's a fenced off area and there's a sign up saying danger keep out but it also says Royal Observer Corps post and this was an underground bunker it's the remains of an underground bunker you can see it's all covered over with grass but there's a doorway that clearly leads down to an underground chamber of some kind there are a couple of metal ventilators sticking out of the ground and during the Second World War, this would have been used by the Royal Observer Corps. A few members of the group would have been there at any given time. You have to imagine probably that the, the bunker was surrounded by sandbags and there would have been people out above ground watching and listening for any incoming enemy aircraft because whilst the radar was really useful for spotting things in advance, what the Observer Corps could add was detail about the types of aircraft that were coming over, the numbers that were involved, likely targets because they'd check the bearings of the aircraft and work out from that where they thought they might be flying. And this place was really very useful during 1940 in particular, during the summer time when the Battle of Britain was absolutely at its peak. British had been defeated in France, the Germans across the Channel were getting ready to invade England and what they wanted to do first was to defeat the Royal Air Force completely so that they would have air superiority and could invade England with the safety of an air screen above them knowing that they weren't going to be attacked all the time by British fighter planes and bomber planes. So. The Luftwaffe, the German Air Force's original tactics, were to try and bomb the Royal Air Force out of existence. They targeted the airfields, they dropped lots of bombs there, but the RAF kept on coming back. And so in the end, tactics changed and the Germans started to bomb, not necessarily air bases, but instead cities. They were targeting civilians and London suffered a great deal at this time in a period known as the Blitz. But by September, October time of 1940, losses on the German side were so great that they abandoned the idea of daytime bombing raids. They were simply too dangerous, and instead they shifted tactics to nighttime bombing raids. And by this time, it had been decided that the the invasion across the channel was not going to happen. The RAF had proved to be just too strong. And so by the time we got to October and November of 1940, German bombing raids were less frequent, they were smaller, and they happened generally under the cover of darkness. And this is where we get to our story for today, that that Royal Observer Corps post has a strange story to tell us, perhaps of an echo, of the past. In the middle of November of 1940, a squadron of Heinkel 111 bombers took off from an airfield in northern France and headed across the channel for a bombing raid they were intending to hit London, we think. Unfortunately, on the way across, one of the planes we lost the rest of the squadron. It was dark, it was cloudy, visibility was pretty poor and this lone Heinkel 111 bomber carried on on its mission towards where they thought its target was. But unfortunately as it was flying over Britain it was intercepted by an RAF night fighter. There was a fighter pilot up there in the dark waiting to see if he could spot any enemy aircraft and when he did, he got in behind it, fired off a few bursts of machine gun fire and then the German bomber was able to get itself concealed in a big cloud bank. The RF fighter lost the German plane, continued flying off into the dark and eventually landed safely an hour or so later. But meanwhile for the German crew of the Heinkel 111, the situation was pretty serious. That machine gun fire had done considerable damage. The rear gunner had been killed. One of the engines was not really working properly and the pilot was trying desperately to start it. The other engine was getting hotter gradually as they were flying along. and It became apparent pretty quickly that the plane needed to get lighter or it was going down. So, they dropped their bombs. They didn't really mind where they landed. They just had to get rid of the weight on board the plane. And meanwhile, The navigator was plotting a course to get them back to France and they turned back towards the French coast. Unfortunately though, it became clear that they weren't going to make it. The plane was still losing height, one of the engines really just wasn't working at all and the other one was starting to show a warning light. And so the pilot instead turned at the navigator's direction towards an RAF base that was nearby. It was on the map, they could see there was a landing strip there and they hoped that maybe they could nurse the plane down there and make some kind of a landing. It would mean they'd end up serving the rest of the war as prisoners of war but at least they might stand a chance of survival. If they carried on flying across the channel they'd end up in the water for sure and that could be disaster for everyone on board. And so. It was that the Heinkel 111 bomber, quite badly damaged, flew over the coast just near the village and the people in the Royal Observer Corps post heard it as it flew over the top of them pretty much and went towards the north heading for the RAF base that was over the other side of the ridge of hills, the other side of the valley. They heard the engine noise of this struggling aircraft gradually fading out into the distance. And then, as it went over the top of the hills, the engine noise faded completely for a while before turning into a a scream of engines completely out of control. And then, after a few more moments, there was a dull thud. What had happened was that the engine that had been already badly damaged had still failed to restart. The other one that was showing warning lights had suddenly pretty much stopped as well. The pilot had lost control of the aircraft and it had started a screaming dive towards the ground. There was nothing they could do to pull out of the dive and the plane crashed into an area of salt marsh a few miles away from where they'd hoped to land. It exploded on impact and everyone on board was killed. Now that's one of those wartime stories that I'm sure there are hundreds of. But the strange thing is, what happened over the next few years? Because on that same mid-November night, the following year, a damaged German Heinkel 111 bomber was heard flying over the top of the Royal Observer Corps post same thing happened the next year as well. And by the year after that someone who'd been there for a while realised this all seemed rather strange and familiar. And they looked back through the logbook of the Royal Observer Corps post and they saw that sure enough that same plane had been heard on that same mid-November night every year since it had crashed in 1940. And even today If you go to the village and you're near the Royal Observer Corps post at around midnight on that night in the middle of November you'll see cars parked in the lay-by and along the road. Although it's freezing cold, the windows will be wound down and people will be there listening out for the echoes, the sounds of that German bomber. Who knows why this happens? Maybe it's when something really dramatic or traumatic happens, it leaves some kind of an imprint on the world that just keeps replaying time after time after time as a reminder. Is it magnetic fields? Are they echoes of the past? Or is it something else completely? you enjoyed that one come back and see us again soon campfire ghost stories by peter littlewood